aware of what happened down there in you're aware of what happened down there in uh, in Texas and 26 people were shot shot dead in the church some 20 others wounded i think there's still some in critical condition and uh and that of course isn't the first mass shooting you know what a theater school um help me out where else concert you know uh, Another church shooting, remember, where that they were having a Bible study and the guy came in and, and had, had Bible study and prayer with him and then pulled out a gun and shot, shot everybody up, killed a lot of people. Isn't, isn't that sad that that's happen, happening in this nation? And it doesn't seem like it's getting any less, does it? Seems like it's going the other way. And... Uh, and from what I've learned in listening to the different commentators on it and whatnot, people who have studied it, it seems like it, while that does happen in other nations, it seems to be something that is far, far, far worse here in the United States than anywhere else. And we could get in and talk about the different reasons. But, you know, people would ask the question, and, and, and rightly so, you know, Pastor Terry, why? Why? All these shootings. Why? All of this murder and violence in the United States. Why? And I I can't thoroughly and completely answer that question. I wish that I could, but, but I can't thoroughly and completely answer it. But I can only share my thoughts and observations with you. And so that's what I'm going to do here today to the best of my ability. Uh, first of all, uh, you need to remember that God turned the authority of the earth over to Adam and Eve. Remember that? And they let the devil in, didn't they? And the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the heaven belongs to the Lord. But the Bible also says that he turned the authority of this earth into the hands of men. And then Adam and Eve let the devil in, and the Bible calls Satan, the devil, Calls him the God, little g, God, g, little g-o-d, the little God, God, you know, the God of this world system. And, you know, the devil is a stealer, a killer, and a destroyer. And, you know, God is sovereign. He's all-powerful and all-knowing, and, and he sits on the throne of heaven. And he certainly does. But have you ever heard people say, well, God is in control? Have you ever heard somebody say that? And in one sense, that is exactly right. He, he sure is. God's in control and he's still on the throne. And certainly he is on the throne. And certainly he's in control. But, but you need to understand, if you study the Bible here in the earth, you'll find that God is not as near as much in control as what a lot of people think he is. If God was thoroughly in control... That wouldn't happen last Sunday. The God that I serve doesn't. He doesn't. He's not in in that kind of thing. Did, did you hear me? The people at that concert, the heathen concert in Las Vegas. It just it just is. I'm sorry. You ought to look at some of the songs that guy sings and whatnot. But I mean, people getting shot up at a heathen concert. They're getting shot up at a church. I mean, you know, God's not going to let people at a heathen concert get shot up. Is that right? Yes or no? He's not going to let that happen. He's not going to let... So, God is in control, all right, but He's turned the earth over to, the Bible says, the sons of men. And then, the, and then, then Adam and Eve, they, they, let, they let the devil in, and when, when you get fallen man in cahoots with the devil, then you get all this shooting and murder and whatnot going on. Are you okay with that? So, I mean, God is all-powerful, He's all-knowing, and He's in control, and that's very true in one sense. But it's like this. If you owned a house, let's say you owned a house. That's your house, isn't it? Completely and totally your house. But what if you leased that house to somebody else? Could you just go into that house anytime you wanted to? Yes or no? Could you go in there at midnight and just, just do whatever you wanted at midnight? No. Now, now, there's times that you could, according to the lease, that you could go in there. But even if you did, most likely that lease, if somebody's living there, uh, they're going to have to have some kind of a consent that you, the owner, can still come in and look the place over. Is that right? Yes or no? 
And, and if you understand how a lease works, what I just shared, that's much how this earth runs. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, but he leased it out to Adam and Eve, and then they let the devil in. Are you okay? You, you following what I'm saying? So God, and let me just read from my notes, though he's sovereign, but by the way he set the authority structure of the earth up, it seems to be, he, he God, seems to be somewhat limited in his involvement in the earth. Just like if you leased out a house. You own the house, but the people you leased it to, they have rights there. And you can't just go there on that property even though you own it. You can't go there and just do whatever you want. There's some, there's some stipulations. Same way God set the earth up. He can't just come in. But by the way, he set it up. He can't just come into the earth and do whatever he wants. You understand that? You need to understand that. That's what the Bible teaches. So God seems to be somewhat limited to his involvement in the earth. Now listen to this. It seems, according to the way God set things up, that he requires the prayers of the saints to intervene in the affairs of human life. Did you hear what I just said? Prayer gives God an avenue by the way he set it up, the least that he made with mankind, it would seem that prayer, the prayers of the saints. Now, who are the saints? Everybody that's born again. Now, the Catholic Church says you have to be dead and have done a few miracles and this and that and the other to be a saint. That's not in line with the Bible. Somebody say amen. The moment you get saved and receive Jesus and get saved, the Bible calls you a saint. You understand that? God requires the prayers of the saints to intervene in the affairs of human life. Real loud say this, say the prayers of the saints. For God to move in the earth the way he set it up, just like a lease would operate, he needs the prayers of the saints to intervene in the affairs of human life. That's why prayer, one of the reasons prayer, prayer is so important. So it's no great revelation then that the devil works overtime to keep the saints unlearned and distracted. So that the saints will not be the salt of the earth nor the light that they're supposed to be. How many of you know Jesus said that you're the salt of the earth? He's talking to believers. He said, you're the light of the world. But would you agree with me if the devil has us distracted with this, that, and the other thing, we're not going to be praying because we're going to be distracted with other stuff. And we won't be the salt. Salt is a preservative. If Christians aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, then, 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 then there's not, there's not going to be that preservative effect in the land. And the land will spoil. Is that right? If... Christians are distracted doing this, that, and the other thing, then they're not going to be the light of the world, and thus the nation will lie in what? In darkness. In view of what I just said about violence and murder in the United States, and in view of what I've just said about the things I've mentioned, the Lord instructed me, I believe He instructed me, to minister today concerning, and I've never talked about this before. I was before the Lord asking him, why is, why, why is, this, why is this going on? Why is this going on? Why is it? And, and, I've, and, I, and, and I've, I've preached on these things in the past and, and, and the United States and why the decline of moral values. I've preached on this many times over the years, several times, but I, I, you know, how many of you know there's a difference between dealing with a symptom and dealing with the root? Yes or no? And, and in the past, and I was walking in all the light that I had on it, but, but I think I've been dealing a lot with just symptoms, but I feel like today God's given me the root of the problem. And, you know, a lot of times symptoms aren't too far away from the root, but until you deal with the root of the problem, if you're just treating symptoms, you, you're not really getting with the root. Is that, is that correct? 
And when I preached on the United States and the moral decline and all that, I just felt like I was, a lot of times I was just, just like swimming in jello. Have you ever tried to swim in jello? And I think it's because I was dealing with symptoms. But today I, I feel like we're going to look at the root of it. And so the Lord took me over to the book of Ezekiel. So I want you to turn there. I, I've never preached out of the book of Ezekiel other than as it would pertain to end time events. But I want to look at something else here today. And he, he, he pointed this out to me concerning what Ezekiel had to say about idolatry. Realize, say idolatry. Idolatry. Why all the shootings? Why all the violence? Why all the murder? Why, why is it, why, what's going on in the United States? Why is it so dark? And, you know, why are things getting so dark? Why? Idolatry is putting anyone or anything ahead of God and worshiping that thing instead of God. Making that person or thing more important than God. And the Bible says in the book of Galatians that idolatry is a work of the flesh. And so it's something that all of us have to deal with. How many of you have flesh in here? And uh, there's something about the flesh that you need to understand that a lot of times the flesh will go after everything but God. You know what I mean? So we need to understand that idolatry is a work of the flesh. And it's something we all have to be very watchful about. Okay? Now, uh, in Ezekiel, the eighth chapter, and the third verse, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation just because it, re- it, it makes more sense as you read it. We can understand it better. I'm going to read several verses and just kind of comment a little as we go, but I'll have to read several verses to get right down to it. Ezekiel had a vision... And God transported him from the place where he was in exile and took him back to Jerusalem, the holy city. And look at verse 3, Ezekiel 8, 3. He reached out, God reached out, what seemed to be a hand took me by the hair. Then the Spirit lifted me up into the sky and transported me to Jerusalem in a vision from God. I was taken to the north gate of the inner courtyard of the temple. Or we could say that... Church, if you will, the church of what would be a church to, to, to us was a temple to them. So he wasn't Ezekiel wasn't taken to a bar. He wasn't taken to a bowling alley. He wasn't taken to a rock concert. He was taken to the temple. Real loud say the temple taken to the temple to, to the church, if you will, where there is a large what idol that has made the Lord very Now, you need to know something about God. If you don't, you need to know this about him. The Bible says that he is a jealous God. Now, there's good kind of jealousy and there's bad kind of jealousy. God has the good kind of jealousy. Jealousy, listen, jealousy is a sin when it is a a desire for something that does not belong to you. Worship, praise, honor, and adoration belong to God alone, for he is truly worthy of it. Therefore, God is rightly jealous when worship, praise, honor, and adoration is given to idols. Can you say amen to that? So they had a large idol there in the temple at the north gate. I was taken to the north gate of the inner courtyard of the temple, and they had a large idol. What is an idol? It's something that is set up and it's worshipped instead of God. Verse 4, suddenly the glory of God of Israel was there, just as I had seen before in the valley. So he he had seen this, the glory of the Lord back before this. But look at verse 5. Then the Lord said to me, son of man, so he's talking to Ezekiel, look toward the north. So I looked and there to the north, beside the entrance to the gate near the altar, stood the idol that had made the Lord so jealous. Verse 6, son of man, he said, do you see what they are doing? Do you see the detestable sins the people of Israel are committing to drive me from my temple? But come and you will see even more detestable sins than these. 
Then he brought me to the door of the temple courtyard where I could see a hole in the wall. And he said to me, now, son of man, dig into the wall. So I dug into the wall and found a hidden doorway. Go in, he said. So God tells him to go in and see the wicked and detestable sins they are committing in there. Now, remember, we're not at the bar here. We're not at the bowling alley. We're not at the concert. We're at the temple. He said, go in and see the detestable sins are committed. So I went in, verse 10, so I went in and saw the walls engraved with all kinds of crawling animals and detestable creatures. I also saw the various idols. What's that next word? Worshipped by the people of Israel. This is the people in the house of God. Worshipping. Verse 11, seventy leaders of Israel were standing there with uh, Jehaziah, son of Saphon, in the center. Each of them held an incense burner, from which a cloud of incense rose above their heads. Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the leaders of Israel are doing with their idols, notice this, with their idols in dark rooms in, in the temple, is where this is. They are saying, the Lord doesn't see us. How many of you know the Lord does see he has deserted our land, is what they were saying. Verse 11. Then the Lord, or verse 13 rather, verse 13. Then the Lord added, come in and I'll show you more detestable sins than these. Verse 14. He brought me to the north gate of the Lord's temple. And some women were sitting there weeping for the God, small g, God Tammuz. It's a false god. In the house of God they were doing that. And then verse 15, God says, have you seen this, he asked, but I will show you even more detestable sins than these. Then he brought me into the inner courtyard of the Lord's temple at the entrance to the sanctuary between the entry room and the bronze altar where uh, there were about 25 men with their backs to the sanctuary of the Lord. They were facing east, bowing low to the ground, worshiping. And that's not the son of God. That's the sun that comes up in the east and sets in the west. The book of Romans said that man in fallen state, and even Christians have to watch this as we'll see, our flesh wants to worship the creation rather than God. And we need to be careful of that. And these people were worshiping the sun, weren't they? They say, Pastor, why did you read all of that? I thought you were going to tell us why there's so much murder and violence and and and. and Things like that in the land, and you're talking about idols in the, in the temple. Look at verse 17. God says, have you seen this, son of man? He said that to Ezekiel. It, it is nothing to the people of Judah that they commit these detestable sins. Now watch this. Leading the whole... Nation into violence. Thumbing their noses at me and provoking my anger. What did we just learn here? What should have we learned here? We should have learned that God's people being idolaters... And when you got your mind and your heart set on anything other than God, you're not going to be salt and light, are you? And when we're not salt, the nation becomes spoiled. And when we're not light, the nation becomes dark. Idolatry in the house of God. Christians doing everything but what they're supposed to be doing can cause the nation to become spoiled and dark. And right here, after reading all those verses about the idolatry in the temple of God, we see in verse 17 that as a result, the whole nation lay in what? In violence, it said. And then if you look at chapter 9, verse 9 in the New Living Translation, because it follows directly from this, Pastor, why is there so much murder and violence in the land? I just told you, idolatry in the house of God. Look at this, Ezekiel 9, 9. Then he said to me, the sins of the people of Israel and Judah are very, very great. 
The entire land is full of what? Full of what? Pastor, why is there so much murder in the land? Why is there so much violence in the United States? Why, 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 why? The root. Realize, say the root. The root of it. So we can talk about symptoms all day, all day long. And I have in the past. But I'm striking it right at the root here. Idolatry in the house of God. Christians given their affection to other things than God. Christians putting things ahead of God. Because will you agree with me? When Christians aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, then we're not salt and we're not light. You see, we see idolatry again and again in the Old Testament. This is, this is not the only place you see it. You see it again and again and again and again and again and again. Perhaps the most recognizable instance is the people of God worshiping the golden calf. Remember that? Right after Moses brought them out of Egyptian bondage. How many remember that? And, and, and if you look at Exodus 20 verse 3... And, and hold your place in Ezekiel because we're coming back there. But in Exodus 20, verse 3, we'll read it in New Living Translation. The first of the Ten Commandments, notice, you must not have any other gods but me. God's speaking that. You must not have any other god but me. Verse 4, you must not make for yourself an idol or any kind of image of anything in the heavens or in the earth or in the sea. Verse 5, you must not bow down to them or what? Or... Worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am, am what? Am jealous. We talked about that. God, I'm a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. He said he won't tolerate our affection for any other gods. It's interesting that the first of the Ten Commandments had to do with idolatry, but one of the last commandments written to the church by the Apostle John, you ought to look at it. Let's look at it, 1 John 5:21. We're going to read it in the Amplified. It'll be on the screen. So the first of the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament had to do with idolatry. One of the last commandments written to the church by John in 1 John 5:21, Amplified. Little children, he's talking to us here. Just like the Ten Commandments were talking to us. But look at this. New Testament, one of the last things. Little children, keep yourselves from idols, which are what? False gods. From anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God. From any sort of substitute for Him that would take first place in your life. Amen, and so be it. Keep yourselves from idols, from anything and everything that would occupy the place in your heart due to God, from any sort of substitute for Him that would take first place in your life. See, idolatry was not just a problem in the Old Testament, but it's a major problem in the United States today. You need to realize that this land is polluted with idols. You need to realize that. Now, while, we not, while, while you and I may not make a graven image or a statue and bow down to it, we must be constantly on guard that we let nothing come between us and God. As soon as anything does, that thing becomes an idol. You see, it's one thing to talk about a statue at the front door or putting a statue up here and bowing down to it. I mean, that's foreign to us. But yet, Christians in the United States, and I'm focusing on the United States, and I'm not saying everybody. I'm not saying everybody. But I'm saying that, that, that the vast multitude and majority of Christians, I'm convinced of it, there's a problem with idolatry. We've let things creep in and become more important to us than God. And we might not make or bow down to a statue, but there's other things. Look at 1 Corinthians 10.7. New King James Version on this one. 1 Corinthians 10.7. We just talked about the people of Israel, and they bow down to the golden calf. 
and gave it credit for parting the Red Sea and all of that, which we know God did that. But they also did some other things that we oft don't talk about. But notice here, 1 Corinthians 10, 7, uh, the Apostle Paul writes and he says, Do not become, now what is that next word? Do not become what? Idolaters as were some of them. Now he's talking about that same group of people that bowed down to the golden calf. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and they rose up to play. Now, as you read it it, to us, well, what's wrong with eating and drinking and rising up to play? Well, there's nothing wrong with eating and drinking and there's nothing wrong with having recreation time. But that's not what that's talking about. As you study into it, 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 this has to do with a, a, a pagan revelry. It was like a party spirit. How many of you know what I'm talking about, a party spirit? We're going to just go out and get high and... It was that kind of a thing. And we're going we're gonna to eat, eat food and we're going to eat, drink and be merry and not, not think about God. But we're just going to have a party spirit. Just, just eat, drink and be merry. And God said that was idolatry. How does this apply to me, Pastor? Well, I've been doing this a long time. I've been pastoring this church with my wife 23 years and been around the church seven to ten years prior to that, so 30 plus years of dealing with people in the church setting. And, and I've observed this, and I'm not saying I've been perfect. I've, I've let things creep in in my life over the years that shouldn't be there. Thank God we can repent. But it's talking about, well, we'll just, we'll just uh, eating and drinking. How many of you know food and fellowship at church is a good thing, isn't it? It, it really, really is. But do you know that I've met over the many years people that will come to church for a party, but they won't come for the Word of God in prayer? Now tell me what's wrong with that picture. And when you can answer that question... But this is how the Spirit of God told me to portray this to you. When you can answer that question, you won't be far from answering the question, why all the murders in the United States? Why is it that, why is it? I'm talking, I'm not talking just the last week. I'm talking 30 plus years of this in many different churches, what I've seen among God's people. We're talking about people that really love, they, they love the Lord. They're, they're born again. They've received Jesus. But you put cake and ice cream out, they'll come for that. Or if you're having picnic on the grounds, they'll come for that. But you have a time of prayer. You have a time of study. You just get just a few people. Why is that? Why will people come for the parties and the cake and the ice cream? And there's nothing wrong with fellowship. But why will people, why will Christians come for that, but they won't come for the word of God in prayer? When you can answer that question, you'll have, you won't be far from answering the question as to why there's murder and killings in the United States. Sobering, isn't it? I've watched Christians for years. Commit idolatry as it pertains to sports teams. Listen, I'm all for the Cardinals. I root for the Cardinals. I root, root, root for the Cardinals. I do. But the Cardinals are not more important to me than God. And I've already, I remember back years ago, I'm talking about why people are getting shot up now in the United States. I've already had a situation in here where back when we, when we had the midweek services, uh, we don't have them anymore because hardly anybody shows up to them. So that's why we don't have them. Am I trying to make you guilty? No, I'm not. I'm trying to answer the question, why are people getting shot up all over the United States? Could it be the Word of God isn't as important anymore 
But where I've had to shut Wednesday night down because I had bucket loads of people come to me, look me right in the eye. The Cardinals are playing in the World Series Wednesday night. We're, we won't be here. Why is people getting shot up all over the United States? Well, would you can answer the question, why have to shut down a Wednesday night service? Because Christians won't come because the Cardinals are on. You're not too far from answering the question as why people are getting shot up. You okay? You all right? I mean, this, 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 this is, this is, this is, this. We're hitting right at the root. We're we're cutting a tree right at the root here today. Do you hear me? I said we're cutting right at the root here today. I watched the. I saw this city of St. Louis. So I'm talking. This, I'm talking Christians in the city. God showed me in the spirit, just like He showed Ezekiel there. Took him back to the temple. I saw in the spirit back when the Rams were making their run to the Super Bowl, and I watched Christians. I'm talking. I saw it in the spirit in the city, and I had folks in this church. Most of them have have left. But you know why some of them have left is because they wanted to put fantasy football ahead of God. I'm not going to let that happen in this church. I'm not against fantasy football, but when fantasy football is more important than God, something's going to go out that door and it ain't going to be God. It's going to be fantasy football. And I've had people leave here, I've had many men leave here over the years because I keep God first ahead of fantasy football. And I'm not against fantasy football, but it's got to be, God's got to be more important than fantasy football. How come we're shooting everybody getting shot up in the nation? I'm talking about the root of the problem now. Now, there's other things we can talk about. But I'm at the root. I'm hitting one of the roots right at the root here. Pastor Terry, you're against having fun. No, I'm not. I, I, I like to have fun. But I keep, I'm going to keep God first. How about you? But when the Rams were on their run to the Super Bowl, I saw Christians more excited about that. And there's nothing wrong with being excited about that. But it's wrong when you get more excited about the Rams than you are about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hello? And I said, the Holy Ghost had me say back in that hour, and I stood right here and I said, by the unction of the Spirit, I told this congregation, it was about twice the size at that time, I said, a lamb died on Calvary, not a ram. And you'd be surprised how many people got mad and left over that. And now all these years have come and gone, and the lamb will never leave you nor forsake you, but the rams have. You still love me? And just so you know, I'm not really flowing in a pastoral anointing here this morning. I'm flowing more in a prophetic anointing here. But we need that once in a while. In addition to material objects, idols can be people. Do you know people make idols out of people? I've watched, particularly when people first fall in love and and I had a problem with this. I made an idol out of Diane when she was my girlfriend. I was doing everything because of her. And the Lord had to snap me back and correct me. I don't go to church because Diane goes to church. I go to church because I love Jesus. And God had to snap me back and straighten me out, slap me upside the head and straighten me out. I don't do what I do because Diane. See, she's not here today because she couldn't be. She would be. She wants to be here. But I come anyway. Because I don't do this for her. I do it for God. Do you understand what I'm saying? I love her more than anybody else. But I love somebody more than my wife. And I love Jesus more than her. And she'd tell you the same thing about me. And I wouldn't have it any other way. You okay? But people, I've watched people over the years make gods out of their pets. And how many of you know there's nothing wrong with having pets and loving your pets? But how many of you know you ought to love God more than your pets? Is that right? People make gods out of celebrities. I've watched that. And here's one where it really gets dicey on this next one, but you can make a god out of your children. 
Now, how many of you know your children ought to be important to you and you ought to love them with all of your heart and you should be there for them and all of that? But listen to me. You're supposed to love God more than your children. And if you can't say amen to that, you need to check your heart concerning idolatry. Because you ought to love your children and give your life for your children, but you ought to love God more. Jesus said that if you don't love him more than father or mother or brethren or whatever, children or whatnot, then you're not worthy of him. Didn't he say that? Did he tell you that you shouldn't love your children? No, you ought to love your children and family members. You ought to love your children more than you love this church and more than you love me. But you shouldn't love your children more than you love God. And if you do, you're an idolater. And you know how I've watched this over the many years at many different churches. If you have a children's concert, you have to set more chairs out. Because you'll have droves of people come. And that's good. And, And there's nothing wrong with it. We ought to have to set more chairs out. Listen to me. Have a children's concert, chairs everywhere, people by the droves, ought to be that way. But why is it when we are teaching the Word or we're having a special meeting where we're teaching the Word or prayer or whatever the case, and you just get just half a dozen people come? Why is that? Well, when you can answer that question, this is what the Holy Ghost wanted me to say again and again. When you can answer that question... You won't be far away from being able to answer the question, why all this darkness and violence and murder in the land? And I'm not just talking about midweek services. You know there's a lot of folks, they come to church on Sunday just once in a blue moon. Did you know that? Just occasionally. I'm not just picking on the midweek, but how many of you know that... that and how many of you know you can't be at every service? You just can't. But, but you ought to be here on Sunday morning regular. Is that right? Not going to be at every one. Um, so when there's a children's concert, we ought to be packed out, right? And when there's a special meeting, teaching the Word or praying or whatever the case, we ought to be, have just as many people and more. Is that right? How come, you, how come you don't have more when you have the Word of God being preached? And, and, and how come you don't have more when, when there's prayer or there's something like that? How come you get more people show up for the children's concert or the cookies and the ice cream? When you can answer that question, you won't be far away from having the answer to why all this darkness in the land and violence and murder. It's idolatry in the house of God. God gave me this message to preach. This is not a hip, hip, hoorah, but I tell you what, this strikes at a root. Strike it right at a root. I can tell it. I know back in the late 70s and into the early 80s and mid 80s, you, you had to fight people to keep them out of church on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, and Wednesday nights. How many remembers that? I mean, they, people drive all over the place to get to the house of God. And now you cut meetings back to where you hardly even have them anymore in a midweek, and you'd have one here and there. And Guys, we need to take a look. And that's not just unique to this church. We need to think about it. Nobody can come to everything. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying. But, but let, I've got some more to say about, about that. Just listen, let me read on here. Idols can include things like fame, reputation, occupation, hobbies, even deeds done in the name of the Lord. It's interesting. How many remembers when the snakes came into the camp of Israel and they bit all those people? What did God tell Moses to do? Take a bronze, make a, take some bronze and make a serpent out of it, put it. Put it on a pole. Is that right? How many remember that? And, and look at it. And, and whoever looks at it, not just a passing look, but a look at it, that they were healed. How many remembers that? You remember that? Did you know some years later, the people of God took that bronze serpent, and they gave it a name, and they bowed down, and they worshipped it. And Hezekiah had to get a hold of it and do away with it. How many, know, how many remembers that? 
So something that God told Moses to make and put on a pole and told everybody to look at it years later, it had to be destroyed because it, they had made an, the people of God made an idol out of it. How, how can something so good become an idol? Listen to me. We have to be very careful as Christians. Listen to me. I've watched this over the many years. Did you know that you can make a God out of just about anything? I've watched people, listen, I'm a faith man. I preach the word of faith. I'm a faith man. I believe in faith. You can't get saved without faith. You can't receive from God without faith. You can't, I mean, you can't please God without faith. But did you know you can make a God out of faith? I've watched people do it. God is the object of our faith. Don't make a God out of faith. God is God. Say, God is God. I've watched people. I've watched them make a God out of prayer. I've watched this over the years. I've watched people make a God out of prayer. And they pray, 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 pray. By the way, I'll just throw this in. Did you know if you're pray, 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 praying all the time and you don't ever study the Word, you know you're going to become a flaky, goofed up person? Because you need the Word of God to stabilize you out. But did you know you could... You can make a God out of... I've had to watch this one. You can make a God out of studying the Word. You can make a God out of studying the Word. And you study the Word. And I've had to deal on this side of it. You study the Word, study the Word, study the Word, study the Word. And you can become very dry. Remember Peter said in the book of Acts, we need the Word of God and prayer. But I've watched people make a God out of prayer. And prayer formulas and... Prayer, 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 prayer. You know, prayer is a... I told you, I opened the message with the prayers of the saints are so important, but you can make a God out of prayer. And when really the one we're praying to is who's, who's God. You can make a God out of studying the Word. Study, 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 study. You could quote every verse in the Bible, but can you live any of it? I've had to watch that one. You can make a God out of worship. Worship. We're talking about worship. You can make a God out of it. By the way, I've been thinking a lot this last week. We call these church services, and there's nothing wrong with calling them church services, but I think they'd more appropriately be called worship services. Because why did we come here today? If you came here today just to hear me preach, be careful, don't let me become an idol. If you came here just today to hear this worship team sing, watch out, don't let them become an idol. Do you know worship teams have become idols in many churches? Did you know that? Did you know a lot of worship leaders in this hour have become idols to people? Did you know that? Just like Elvis was an idol to people. How many of you know you're in trouble if Elvis is your idol? And I, and, I, and I love Elvis, but, but how many know God outranks Elvis? Is that right? We've got to be careful. But think about, we come to worship God. What do we, we come to work? Why do we come here today? We came to, yes, to learn the word. Yes, to sing. The, yes, yes, yes. But we've come to what? To worship and adore the creator of the universe. That's why we're here. But I've watched people make a God out of worship. I remember I was at a very large uh, uh, meeting, ministry meeting. There was a very famous speaker and several speakers there. Now, it was very large, thousands and thousands of people. And I remember uh, when it came time to worship, I was just standing there minding my own business. And about, uh, about maybe 200 people just rushed down to the front. Now, there's nothing wrong with rushing down to the front worshiping God. I think there's nothing wrong with that. But I was minding my own business. And when those people rushed down there, there was just something on the inside. What, what, what? I, didn't, I was minding my own business. What's wrong? What, what? It just didn't seem right about it. But worshiping God is good. And the word of the Lord came right on the inside. He said they've made a God out of worship. Did you know you can make a God out of worship? And get so caught up in the worship itself that you forget the one you're worshiping to. 
I get a kick out of worship leaders. A lot of times you'll see this or prayers. Watch this, 30 years time. They're always trying to get somewhere, always trying to get us somewhere. Got to get somewhere, got to get somewhere. And they don't realize when you're in Christ, you're already there. The minute you get born again. Listen, and by the way, worship, did you know there's two sides to worship? One side of it is us coming to worship God. And there is another side of it where the power of God comes off the worship team and the music and the anointing rides on the music and and can set you free of things you can't get set free of any other way. Can you say amen? But in order to get for worship to be what it's supposed to be, we must keep, it's all about who? G-O-D-J-E-S-U-S. God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Is that right? But I've watched people in that group. They came down and, and they were going through their, they were more excited about running, listen, they were more excited about running to the front than they were. This is so subtle. We've got to be careful. And there's nothing wrong with coming down to the front. I was, I was blessed by their exuberance, but there was something not right about it. And the Lord said, they've made a God out of worship. Did you know you can make a God out of just about anything? We've got to be careful. You can make a God out of... I have to watch this not to make a God out of preaching. There's something more important than my preaching, and His name is God. I've watched, and I've tried to never do this, but I remember, I've, I have a certain one I'm thinking of, but pastors, now listen to me, can make a God out of church services. And you've got to be there three times a week. You've got to be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, 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 or Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night. If you're not there, if you're not there, if you're not there, you're, you'll beat you over the head, beat you over the head. How many of you know a pastor like that has made a God out of the church? You can make a God out of the church building. You can make a God out of church services. You can make a God out of perfect attendance. Why are people getting shot up all over? At the root of it is there's darkness that lay on the land because so many Christians are distracted because they've got idols in their life. What is that? That's an that's a Android, that's a Samsung Galaxy S7 cell phone. I like it. I can even turn it on when I'm running at night and it does a flashlight. This will do everything but take your temperature. And it'll probably do that too. It'll tell you the temperature. Do I have one? No. Nothing wrong with it. But how many of you know... In this nation, now I know the Bible's even on here, so sometimes people are looking at their phone and I'm thinking, what are they doing? They're really reading the Bibles. I understand that, but did you know that if Christians would spend half as, just half as much time in this as they do on that, nation would be turned around. And there's nothing wrong with the cell phone. There is something wrong with it if you're driving and you're on it. If I see you driving with your cell phone, I'm going to pull you over and spank you. I'm going to pull off my belt and spank you. But dear, and I mean it, because you could get killed. It's worse than driving drunk, they say. But listen, don't let this be, don't, 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 look, there's nothing wrong with this. But don't spend more time on this than you're spending with the Lord. Is that right? By the way, the battery could go low on this and you run out of batteries, but this or something about the printed page, you got, I mean, you know, anyway. Are you okay? I'm taking a little long with this, but I want, it's important. Listen to this. I'm going to read from my notes. A person told me years ago, they said to me, I remember it, they said, Pastor, I can't come to midweek services. And I said, really? I can't miss my idol. I said, what? And they said, yeah, you know the American idol. Is that still on? And I cautioned them at the time lovingly, and I said, I said to the person, I said, and I cautioned him lovingly. And you know, from that time to this, because I know some things about him, from that time to this, they've had one problem after another, one problem after another, one problem after another, and now they want to be able to come to church regular, but they can't because their problems have overtaken them. 
Ephesians, idolatry is a serious thing. Ephesians 5, 5. Look at this, just a few more. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is, an, a, who is a what? An idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God or his Christ. Now let me begin to conclude this message. Go back to Ezekiel. Are you, are you getting anything? In Ezekiel 10, you could read the whole chapter. But you see the Lord's glory leaves the temple. And it was a gradual thing. It didn't happen just like that. Just like that. It, it was a gradual thing. Now I want you to listen to me. What I've observed about the United States. About ten, about ten years ago I said to my wife, things are changing in this nation. You know things change in the spirit before they change in the natural. And I said, there's something changing about this nation. And I've said before, the judgment of God's pending on this nation. And you know one of the worst judgments of God is when he lifts his hand of protection. What you don't ever want is you don't ever want God to leave you alone. But I tell you what, if this nation, and I've watched it even among Christians, they've got everything in their life is more important seemingly than God, the hand of God will begin to lift. And I've, I've watched that. If Christians aren't doing what they're doing, and if they're worshiping idols, you see that that's what was happening in this temple, and the glory of God began to lift and leave. It was a gradual thing, and I've watched that in this, this United States. And by the way, that la- I'll just throw this in. That last election we had, the presidential election, we've been given a reprieve in this nation. I know there's a lot of people don't like Mr. Trump, but he's been put in there at the hand of God. And, and God in his great mercy, and even the experts on television can't tell you why he got elected. I know one reason why he got elected is because the Christians sat their idols down for a few moments and they went to the voting booths and they voted. Can you say amen? Because, you see, what has happened, listen to me, what has happened over the many years, Christians so distracted and so complacent and doing this and doing that and doing the other, and then preachers thinking that there's a separation between church and state and there shouldn't be, and so preachers aren't encouraging their people to go out and vote, and then, and then the people that do come to church don't ever hear that they need to be involved in government, and you can see over a couple of decades how the devil has, the Christians haven't been voting, and you can see how that the evil people have gotten in there into the government government and are running things and the next thing you know God is kicked out of the public school he's kicked out of the public square you can see abortion come in and rise to the forefront and you see homosexuality being paraded in this nation and same-sex marriage being legalized all while the Christians are asleep playing with their idols But we've been given a reprieve. And God moved and put him in there. Mr. Trump is not perfect, but if the other candidate had gotten in, I'm telling you, the darkness that was going to come on this land was going to be unbelievable. And I'm telling you prophetically, we've got this next now three years to turn this thing around. Because see, this nation, while there's been a political correction, this nation as a whole has not repented. There's been no moral repentance. You see, and, and the judgment of God hangs over this thing until we repent and, 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 and not just repent. But you know when you repent, you go there to the, to the, to the legal system there in the Senate and the Congress and whatnot, and you, 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 you say abortion is illegal. Can you say amen? And we, we reverse what's been done to God's marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman, his husband and wife. That's got to be reversed. And we've got to put God back in the public school and the public square. Until those three things happen, we're just, we're just kind of chawing at the wind. We can talk and pray all we want, but those that we need to go and vote. See, those evil people didn't get in there overnight. It's going to take a little time to root them out. But I tell you what, it's not too late. If the church will wake up now, set our idols aside, and, and, and get busy, we can not only pray, but vote the evil out and turn this thing around. Can you say amen? Wake up message here today. But the glory of the Lord began to lift from the temple. 
And I believe that you've seen the glory of God begin to lift somewhat in this nation, the hand of God. And if you look at, I'm almost done here, but look at Ezekiel 10 verse 21. God warns the people here. And he says, and you will know that I am the Lord, for I have refused, for, for you have refused to obey my decrees and regulations. Instead, you have copied the standards of the nations around you. How many of you know the church, we shouldn't be copying the community, is that right? How many of you know that when you come to church, you should know you've walked into the house of God? And, and, and when you walk into the church, you should know you've come into the church, and it should be different than going to Walmart, is that right? Is that right? But I've watched this in this nation over the last many, many years, the way Christians approach the house of God. How would you approach the Oval Office in the White House? You'd approach it with reverence and respect, wouldn't you? Why, why do Christians approach the house of God, so many of them, with, with such slovenliness? You know what I mean? Just, just kind of body da When we walk in that door out there, we've come into a holy place. I remember some years ago I had some teenagers come in and they said to me, they said, wow, when we walk in those doors, we, there's something different about this place. Yeah, the Holy Ghost is here. And he's here because I keep preaching this away. And then the last thing, and I'm out of time, so I'm just going to summarize this. But a major thing which contributed to the idolatry of God's people there in, in Israel and Ezekiel and Jeremiah dealt with this as feel-good preachers telling people what they wanted to hear. Look, if you would, just Ezekiel 13. Look at verse 10. I'm out of time, so I was going to go through this, but we'll just read this. Here's what they were saying. This will happen because the evil prophets deceive my people by saying, All is peaceful. All is well. Listen, friends. All is not well in this nation. This nation's in trouble. But it can be turned, but the Christians are going to have to lay down their idols and pick up their Bibles and go to prayer and go to vote. Is that right? And so God had Ezekiel, He had Jeremiah, He, he told them, He told them to preach against the false prophets that were telling people everything's going to be okay. Well, I do believe if we'll do our part, everything will be okay. But if we don't do our part, no, all is not well. I've had people leave the church because I've said that right there. They want all positive all the time. Listen to me. Any preacher that stands behind this holy desk and gives you all positive all the time or all negative all the time is not sent from the presence of God. Period. Period. Hear me? I'm supposed to say that again. Anybody stands behind his holy desk and gives you all positive all the time or all negative all the time is not sent from the presence of God. Period. I'm going to leave the church, Pastor, because you don't make me feel ugly-wiggly all the time. Period. That's why the presence of God is in this place. Because I refuse to tell you everything's okay when it's not. See, I'm not flowing in a pastoral anointing here. I'm flowing in a prophetic anointing. Look at verse 16. Ezekiel 13, 16. They were lying prophets who claimed peace would come to Jerusalem when there was no peace. You can read in Jeremiah, we won't turn there, but these feel-good preachers, they had them in Jeremiah and Ezekiel's day, these same guys, they were contemporaries, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, sort of contemporaries of each other. In Jeremiah, it brings out that they, these people, they had no taste for God. Do you people have a taste for God? And a lot of these feel-good preachers are throwing sugar cookies to an already diabetic congregation. There was a pastor of a major 
church, a uh, 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 mega church this, this last week. My wife showed it to me. I don't even know his name. Mega church, thousands of people. And he sat on the television, The View, and all but condoned abortion. They won't have me on the view because I'm going to make those people uncomfortable. Friends, listen to me. Listen to me. Look at me. Listen, I'm not going to go. I could. I got notes here for another hour. But I could go on and on and on. The message of the feel-good preachers in this nation. Listen to me. I say this with tears in my eyes, in my heart. No, no, no vehemence. Listen, dear friends, it's a problem in this nation. Listen, guys, it's a, it's a problem. Because if you never... See, this message I preach today would not be allowed in most of the megachurches in this nation and in this city. Did you know some of these megachurches... I don't want to say this. The Holy Ghost is wanting me to say this. You know some of the churches in the United States are using sex... And sex appeal to appeal to their congregations. Do you know that? I mean, I don't want to say this. Holy Ghost wants me to say it. When you look up here at this platform, I'm in pretty good shape now. Because the day I wasn't, but I am now. But you know, when you look up here, I'm not. I, I could. I could put. My, my under armor on and come up here and preach and I look, I look pretty decent but there'd be a, a sex thing to it I'm not going to do that and when you look up at some of these lady preachers anymore I, and I believe in, in, in makeup and you see my wife I believe in looking pretty and having nice stylish clothes and all of that but when you look up at I, I was looking at one the other day. It just just happened to f- across the channel. And you look at a lady preacher. I'm all for lady preachers, but I'm all for modesty also. And when you look up there, you shouldn't be scratching your head. Is she a preacher or is she a prostitute? That's pretty blunt. But that's where we're at. Why are people getting shot up all over the place? Because the church is asleep doing all this stuff trying to be like the world instead of being like the church. And the Christians are playing with their idols and nobody's standing up like this. Very few, some are, standing up like this, preaching like this. And the Christians continue to play with their idols and the evil continues to flow in the nation. And what I just said about is she a preacher or a prostitute, I had a bunch of people leave one time because I said that. They said, you're being judgmental. But I tell you what, I'm in good company. I'm right there with Jesus and Peter and Paul. Don't you think we ought to dress modestly in the church? I shouldn't dress to try to turn women on. Is that right? And my wife shouldn't dress to try to turn men on. Is that right? But that's going on in this nation. If you don't know it, you need to know it. All right, let me close this down. Ezekiel concluded. See, this is serious stuff. Wouldn't you say shooting up 24 people and killing them serious? It's time somebody said something. Ezekiel concluded with, he had a very sobering message, but he concluded with a very hopeful message for Israel. And like with Israel, there's still hope for America. Say amen, somebody. But you know whose hands it lies in? Yours and mine. And every other preacher of the gospel and every other Christian in this nation, you know, it lies in our hands. Will we lay our idols down? And will we worship God? Will we lay our idols down and keep God first? Will we lay our idols down and pick up our Bibles and pray? Remember, what does Second Chronicles say? If my people, which are called by my name. Notice he didn't say the devil's people. He said my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. It's not too late for America. But the Christians, we're going to have to put the idols down, aren't we? 
Now, I'm not saying everybody's guilty of idolatry, but I tell you, in this nation among Christians, there are many who are. Look at this. This is what the Holy Ghost wanted me to close with right here, and then we'll stop. Ephesians 3.14. The Apostle Paul said, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's worship, isn't it? What are you bowing your knees to? Are there idols in your life? I pray God that you're not mad at me. I pray God that you're not upset with me preaching this. But I think the worst thing I could do right now is start apologizing for everything the Holy Ghost told me to say. So I'm not going to do it. Stand with me if you would. Every time that this prophetic anointing is here, and it's not here all the time, but every time this prophetic anointing is here, see, this was a message not just to a local church, but more of a message to a nation. You'll just have to realize that my calling that's on my life sometimes I, I, I have to flow over there in the prophetic side of it so most of the time we're over in the pastoral and the teaching side but bow your heads with me and ask yourself a question who are you bowing your knees to Are you like the Apostle Paul, bowing your knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Are you bowing your knee to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Or is there something else you're bowing to? I heard the Holy Ghost. I just said it right on the inside here. It said, there's some people under the sound of my voice. So that could be in this room. It could be over the Internet. Uh, I've never seen it like this before. Boy, just, just just right there. Some people got one knee bowed to the Lord and one knee bowed to an idol. <clears throat> I've never seen that before. Some people got one knee bowed to God and one knee bowed to an idol. And Paul said, I bow my knees. That'd be both of them. Both of them. Who are you bowing your knees to? Are both of them bowed to the Lord? This is a good time to repent right here, right where you stand. But every time this prophetic anointing is in, in operation, that healing anointing is healing anointing. And uh, by the direction of the, of, the, of the Spirit of God, let's see, it's Alexia. Come, come here, come here. Which eye is it? It's, it's your eye, right? Can I pray for you? Yeah, just stand here.